2: So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash who would win show, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan, you'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there.
0: It's a sweltering day in late August. And the beaches couldn't be more empty. Word of a rumble has passed through the area and the locals are keeping clear of the tides on this afternoon. For the gauntlet was thrown down. Who is the greatest cryomancer of all time? And now there sits two combatants left. One, a ninja with a mask. The other, a queen with a cape. For a decade, people have been asking each other which cold heart would emerge victorious. And tonight, we will have an answer. It's Snow Queen versus Grandmaster. It's Frozen versus Earthrealm. It's Elsa versus Sub-Zero. Today on Who Would Win? And
2: welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Sticanus. Showdown September comes to an epic conclusion with a new classic geek culture matchup. And keep in mind that since both Ray and myself have two wins, the winner of today's battle will be crowned the actual king of Showdown September. In one corner, you have Elsa, the powerhouse who commands the cold, versus Sub-Zero, Mortal Kombat's most popular and quite possibly most deadly, Ninja Warrior. And as is typical for showdown September, there's absolutely no need to do a patented Who Would Win Google test to see how many people had already discussed this matchup, as this matchup has already been debated so much online that it's almost commonplace for it to be discussed if you did a Google search if you wanted to, except for one little thing, it's never gotten the Who Would Win treatment before until now. Ray, with all that said, I'm really interested to find out what are your thoughts on today's matchup.
0: I could not be more excited about this matchup. Of course, this is a matchup that's been talked about forever. This matchup is exactly what Showdown September is all about. Now, the thing that you're not saying out loud is that we had four, four potential battles put on the Patreon patreon.com slash who would win show and the people of Patreon our best patrons voted on which matchup would be the fifth one in showdown September and there were some good ones on this list not going to spoil them so we can maybe uh, recycle them and use them next year who knows the point is the people overwhelmingly wanted to use Elsa versus Sub-Zero and the second that I saw this is going to be one of the possibilities I started prepping immediately before I even needed to see the results because I knew that this was where we were headed you know our our fan base especially
2: our patrons really do come up with some interesting ideas we love what you have to say and one of them reached out to me uh not too long ago as they often do and asked a really interesting question they said out of all the episodes you've done is there one whether you won or lost that you'd want to do over again just because you know you Uh could do it Better You could do it with a lot more justice or what have you. I definitely have one matchup in mind, but Ray. I know you do. You know which one I'm talking about. Ray, What is there a matchup that you did or that we did together that you say to yourself, I I need to do this over because I know I can do it better.
0: Go ahead. There's one. It's not because I know I could do it better. It's because I know the judge could do it better. There is one battle early on, and you know who you are, Mitchell Baldwin. It's... It's Megatron versus King Kong. The fact that I had you defeated nine ways to Sunday in that battle and Mr. Baldwin in all of his uh, joy decided that King Kong could throw a tree in the air and bring Megatron down because... Who knows who knows how it worked. He literally sent me a DM the next day after the battle and apologized for such an egregious decision and he was correct. We need to do that one again just to get the proper combatant in the winner circle. Now go on with your nonsense.
2: Here's the deal, Ray. you got to understand something. I was also upset that I won that matchup. Remember, I told the Hoodwin to production team, like, let me rep Megatron. I'm a Megatron fan. They're like, no, no, no. Ray Stekanis will do it. And I'm like, well, you better get the win. I'm going to go hard, but you better get the... No, no problem. Ray's going to get... Th- and you lost. How did that happen? Now, the match I want to do, The Ray judging, Stekanus, James. Is I just match. said that. I'll tell you something. The Ray- Speaking of judging, and I have no real personal issues with the judges we use for these matchups. But it kind of went a little astray. So, of course, I am talking about Muppets versus Sesame Street. I know you were. That weren't. is an iconic gang battle of a match. We have tons of reviews. People love that matchup. I lost both times. I lost my mm-hmm. rep Muppets. I lost my rep Sesame Street. And here's why. I won why. both sides. All, James, Stikadus, what's more to say about this? The judges. It's the judge. The first one who was really cool was kind of like, I just don't think Sesame Street would fight. So that's why Muppets win. I'm like, that's not how it works. The second one believed your nonsense, a to heinous term, that. Elmo would be a suicide bomber, completely go out of character and be a suicide bomber and take out the pigs in space. Not something Elmo would do. He would I'm asking the Legion of Audience for a do-over. Should we do a do-over? Should we redo Megatron versus King Kong? And should we redo Muppets versus Sesame Street? Holler at us and let us know. Now, speaking of do-overs, and I'm talking about the best kind of do-overs, we have a judge coming back once more for an excellent, excellent episode Coming back for another appearance on The Who Would Win Show, it's the director of Bloodsucking Bastards, now available on Amazon Prime. It's the voice of Giantic from Den. It's the one, it's the only. It's Brian James O'Connell. Brian, welcome back to Who Would Win.
1: Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. First of all, Mitchell Baldwin, uh, how dare you? How dare you? Mm-hmm. And uh, you don't need to embarrass the other judge. it. But uh, first of all, I feel like any street gang that's been able to hold down one single street and territory thank you for for 50 plus years now maybe knows what they're doing thank you and the idea that elmo and not gonzo would be the suicide bomber the guy that literally shoots himself <sighs> out of a cannon uh, uh, outrageous outrageous all the way around thank you <clears throat> thank you yeah. thank
2: you brian I- i'm just going to go right ahead and say i am nominating you as a judge for both of those redo battles hopefully that takes place in near future now, now, Brian, just like a lot of other judges, uh, you are insanely sure. busy. You got a lot going on. You got some stuff you can't talk about, and a lot that. of great stuff you can't talk about. That's true. What are some of the cool things you're working on, past or present, that you can tell our fan base the legion of audience?
1: Uh, I can't. Now that it went through my mind as you guys were doing the intro, I actually can not talk about. I am the uh, I am the writer of the official adaptation of the Anarchist Cookbook. Uh, How about it'll that, be a half hour, wow. uh, half hour animated. Uh, time travel dark comedy uh, that I, I beat out a bunch of different writers for because my pitch, <clears throat> the guys are running, uh, the producer is Dan Turoff uh, who used to work for MGM, the executive producer and who uh, owns the intellectual property is Emmett McDermott uh, he is the creator of 60 Second Docs, he also uh, is the creator of and producer of the uh, recent Netflix documentary White Hot, The Rise and Fall of Amber Cromie and Fitch <laughs> uh, and then our showrunner is a guy by the name of John Sherman Go to his IMDb and pack a lunch. But he was a he was a staff writer on Frasier for like <laughs> nine years, so it's a good crew. And, wow, uh, we're, we're looking forward to that. We're, we're currently shopping that around, and uh, the places that are looking at it right now. That I cannot tell you. But I was like, oh wait a minute, it's it's been read by so many people now. Yeah, I'm allowed to talk about it. <laughs> I can do it. <laughs> cool.
2: Well, congrats on that because that's uh, that's a huge accomplishment. And uh, like all the rest of the stuff you do, I can't wait to see it. Now, you know, kind of focusing on the matchups today. Have you heard of these two characters, Elsa and Sub-Zero? Oh, yes. And if you have, how familiar how, how familiar are you with these characters?
1: I would say I'm more familiar with Sub-Zero than I am Elsa in the sense that personal hands-on experience with the video game. Now, have I seen Frozen? Yes. Uh, do you need to see Frozen more than once? No. Because it's so part of the zeitgeist. <laughs> it's so, uh, you cannot go anywhere without seeing a small uh, girl dressed as Elsa. Uh, all of my friends who have children, uh, our good friend Tim Jennings... For several several years, had to read a bedtime story to his daughter, and they had to uh, they had to involve two things at all time. Every a brand new improvised bedtime story. It always had to involve Elsa and someone. Uh, someone had to take a poop. Like that. That's <laughs> those were her demands. <laughs> to the point where she was like, one night he was like, "All right, you're sleeping." She's like, "Dad, you forgot. Elsa needs to poop." Right. So (laughs) I know the song. And then, of course, we all heard the song for forever and ever and ever. And then poor John Travolta could not pronounce her name correctly uh, at the Oscars. So I I know quite a bit of the canon, I think, of both of those.
2: I'm quite familiar with that whole ritual of uh, I used to have to tell my kids uh, bedtime stories I'd make up about Caillou, uh, Mm -hmm. also involving poop for some reason. Yeah. So there was a very similar uh, dynamic. You know, he's just a boy who's four, who sometimes poos on the floor. You know, we all know how that goes. We've all been there. We have an amazing judge. We've got two great characters. You got Ray, you got me. We've got everything you need to end Showdown September with a champion. It'll be me. With all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's
0: matchup. Representing Disney, the cryomancer whose favorite pet is the chili dog. Elsa, and representing Warner Brothers, the warrior so called he farts snowflakes. Sub Zero.
2: That actually makes sense. I would totally see that. I could totally see that. All right. Well done. Right now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a who'd win match, which are brought to you by Ethos Life Insurance, one of our great sponsors. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Right. I don't know if there's another version of Elsa to be using outside of the animated movie one, but you know which version are you using
0: today? We're gonna be using the Canon version of Elsa from the Disney series. That's Frozen 1, Frozen 2, which is as good as Frozen 1. If you have not seen it, it literally is the second half of the Frozen story. If you haven't seen it, you're only getting half the story. And I'm saying that as somebody with a five-year-old in the house who has seen Frozen 2 more times than I've seen most movies. I'm also going to be adding, though, a little bit from the novelization of the movie, as well as the comic book, which is also based on the movie. They're all kind of in the same world, the same canon together, and it's going to be mostly movies, but I will dip in the pool a little bit.
2: Understood. Also, in my household, we have watched Frozen, the first one, dozens upon dozens of times. Sometimes I've even watched it with my kids, who who enjoyed it on time to time. All right. Now, in terms of uh, Sub-Zero... There was the comic book version, there's you know, the live action version, there's the movie version. I'm going to stick with the video game mm-hmm. version, just because I think the feats there really play to the uh, strengths, hopefully, of what Elsa brings to the table. Alright, rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five, the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack. Threat can be made for at least two minutes and where no outside interference is allowed. And finally, rule number six the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to hoodwinstore.com to get your hands on some amazing Who Would Win merch.
0: We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me.
1: Everybody in your crew
2: identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every
0: time. And if you love the Filet-O-Fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price.
1: Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
2: And now, let's get to the tale of the tape for both of our
0: combatants. Ray, please give us the details for Elsa. Elsa is a wizard with a specialization in Frost and Frozen magic. She is the queen of Arendelle and one of the main protagonists in the Frozen movie franchise. She was created by Chris Buck and Jennifer Lee and first appeared in the Disney hit movie Frozen back in 2013. After inadvertently turning her kingdom into an eternal winter on her coronation day, Elsa attempts to retract herself from everyone in an effort to preserve her kingdom because her magic feels out of control. It is through the help of her sister Anna that Elsa gets over her fear of hurting others, learns the truth about her kingdom's past, and eventually ascends to become the spiritual protector of the forest. Fun fact, everyone knows that Elsa is based on the character of the Snow Queen from Hans Christian Andersen's story. However, did you know that Disney has been trying to figure out how to adapt the character to the big screen since the 1930s? That is a fact. The idea never got much past the starting blocks, however, because each version kept having the Snow Queen be a primary antagonist, and it just wasn't coming together. After more unsuccessful attempts in the 90s, and also in 2000, the version we all know and love today with Elsa being a misunderstood hero with a badass non-magical sister, finally figured, they finally figured out how to make it all work. To the tune of over 1 billion dollars. I guess they were correct to keep trying. And that is Elsa. Very cool. Well, here are the
2: details for Sub-Zero. Sub-Zero first appeared in Mortal Kombat 2 back in 1993 and was created by Ed Boon and John Tobias. Abducted as a child alongside his brother Baihan Han by the Lin Kuei clan of assassins, Kui Lang was trained from youth in the art of what was called silent murder. Kui Lang took up the role of Sub-Zero and left the Lin Kuei to escape being turned into a cyborg. While his path was long and winding, bringing him to the sides of both evil and good, Quietline would eventually return to the Lin Kuei, reforming it into an organization that helped defend Earthrealm's peace. And here's an interesting fact about Mortal Kombat. Did you know it took almost as long to figure out a name for Mortal Kombat as it did to actually make the entire game? It's true. The story has it that it took four people 10 months to create Mortal Kombat. That's 10 months to film it, program it, lay out wow. the gameplay framework. Incredible. However, yeah, crazy, right? However, it took six months to come up with a name. And it was an outsider to the team that did it. It seems every suggestion for a title was allegedly detested by at least one of the four designers. Names that didn't make the cut included Kumite, which refers to hand-based section of karate training, Dragon Attack, Death Blow, and Fatality. Pinball and game designer Steve Ritchie came up with the name Mortal Kombat on a whim upon catching a glimpse of a misspelled combat, that's combat with a K, that was on a drawing board during a visit to his office. And the rest is history. And now you have the facts on both opponents.
0: Brian, do you have any questions before we get started? You know, one thing really quick before Brian talks is you mentioned that Sub-Zero first appeared in Mortal Kombat 2. Obviously, the character of Sub-Zero appeared in Mortal Kombat 1, but that was the brother of the eventual future Sub-Zero uh, and the much more kind one uh, who took over, uh, if I remember the lore correctly. So Sub-Zero technically was there from the start, but the version of the character, the person playing Sub-Zero is the one you're using today. Do I have that, those facts correct? Yes, yes. <laughs> yes.
2: Brian, do you have any questions before we get started?
1: Uh, No, that is all uh, very interesting uh, background information. And I feel like learning this as I go and still being quasi-familiar with the overall uh, concepts of Elsa and Sub-Zero is going to allow me to really just judge this based on the arguments versus sort of like, a pre-existing opinion about a a Jack Burton versus a John Wayne sort mm-hmm. of deal. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to just uh, judging this based on the merits of the converse of the arguments I'm about to hear, which is nice.
2: I mean, I mean, this is what makes you a great judge, Brian. Oh, and you. I'm not just saying that because you're a judge right now, and I need the win. All right. With that being said, Ray, let's do this. Hit us with your point
0: number one. Point number one. For Elsa, we're going to talk a little bit about her natural abilities, natural powers before we get into all the magic stuff. Now, she's actually a very, very strong character, Uh, has a lot of physical strength, even as a small child. You know, she was moving furniture much larger than herself all throughout the house. At one point, she lifted a giant block of ice and put it by herself that nobody else could move. And she put it on top of a cart that then cracked the ice underneath it because it was so heavy they had to get it out of there who can forget the scene from the movie when she's underwater battling with that horse water spirit. Now she was able to hold her breath for an excessively long period of time and still keep control of her faculties, her magic and able to get herself to the surface. In fact, she was thrown around in the water a lot, slapped around a bit, took a lot of hits, flew through the air, held her breath and then ended it with a giant tidal wave of water coming, crashing down on top of you. Tidal waves tend to destroy cities but this tidal wave came crashing down basically just on Elsa, and she just kept rolling as if there was no problem at all. She's also surprisingly fast. Her reaction speed, if you watch these movies, is pretty darn phenomenal. She once dodged a fireball from a fire spirit. It was a little. Uh, it was in Frozen 2, and there was a little lizard who was the f- uh, fire spirit, and he was burning everything around him. She was trying to catch him, caught up to him. He launched a fireball at her that she just sort of dodged out of the way of with no look turned around and then shot the cold thing to put out the fire he had created on a tree behind her. And I'm like, this lady kicks a lot of butt. At one point, she was being sort of uh, attacked, menaced by some of the town guard who were not happy with the fact that she was bringing Eternal Winter to the kingdom. And they shot a chandelier that was right above her that fell down crashing, and she was able to completely run, jump, dodge out of the way of a chandelier that crashed in basically almost the entirety of the room. Reaction speed is excellent, her dodging abilities is fantastic, and I know dodging is a thing that can help you in the world of Mortal Kombat against certain characters who throw certain projectiles. Another thing, she's a very, very quick thinker. In the novelization, they references that Olaf and her were on a ship together, and Olaf was tossed overboard by kind of a rising boat. It says in there that she thought preternaturally quickly. As In other words, Olaf falling and flying out of the boat was happening as if in slow motion to her. We've heard this kind of thought process happening with a lot of speedsters. The Flash, Quicksilver, Captain America thinks you know so much faster. Uh, you could even say Ultron. You can see so many moves in the future. This is the thing. If you can see p- things happening in slow motion around you, that puts you in the zone like Michael Jordan in the NBA Finals, where you can find your victory whenever you need to at any speed you need to because you're thinking so much faster couple other things to add here. She tamed Knock the Water Spirit, that horse monster that attacked her. She took a little ice rope, tied it around his neck, jumped on back, and then uh, bridled it like a horse and was able to take the bucking. And then by the end of the scene, she was riding off into the sunset on the Water Spirit. And the last thing I'll talk about, she got attacked by a wind spirit at one point, which was a ball that was essentially like a tornado in a ball. And it was spinning her around in there. And she was able to keep her presence of mind in the middle of this chaos, in the middle of this attack, to the point where uh, her sister Anna was about to get hit in the face of a branch. And in the middle of all this, she's able to launch a projectile of frozen uh, power and blow the branch away. Now, I'm just saying, when you're in the middle of that kind of a situation, to be able to keep your presence of mind and cool under fire that says a lot about what she could do in the more combat situations. At the end of the day, I know that Sub-Zero's been involved in a lot of combat situations. I don't think people appreciate as many that Elsa's been in. And that's my point, number one.
2: You're comparing what Elsa went through as somewhat comparable to Sub-Zero's combat experience in history. That is, uh, as Ray Cicada says, nonsense. Speaking of nonsense, a few other things we got to talk about. Listen, moving furniture as a kid Listen, I did that, you did that, our judge did that. Not that impressive, but cool nonetheless. She was underwater in that one scene in in, uh, Frozen 2. She wasn't perfectly fine based off her facial expression. She was under a lot of duress, as all of us would be, by the way, you know, when you're under a lot of water like that. Comparing the wave, though, as if it was a tsunami about to destroy a village is completely on the insane end of exaggeration. It was a big wave, sure. It was a big wave in the water. Absolutely powerful to take out. We're not talking about a huge tsunami coming down to the village. Just had to push back on that. Let me get to my point, number one. And I'm actually going to go there right away. Let's talk about the power of Sub-Zero, his ice magic. Look, Sub-Zero evidently is descended from a race of extra-dimensional beings that are experiencing the art of ice magic. As a result, he's an insanely powerful cryomancer. Brady, you talked about this before. He can weaponize the cold, snow, and ice. In fact, he's the most powerful cryomancer in all of Mortal Kombat, which is saying quite a bit. His powers are based on the fact he can make the moisture in the air freeze and obey his commands. When he does it to someone's body, the moisture is so cold that it instantly freezes them, which makes them brittle, easier to break, he does this using a technique he calls an ice blast, which he can shoot at a far range or close up in personal. If you have ever played the game, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He can form ice weapons out of thin air like swords, daggers, hammers, lances, shields, and a whole lot more. Put weapons in the hands of a ninja? That's crazy. Give him the ability to make any weapon he wants that way at that moment, and he's insanely deadly. He's got a lot of other ice powers too, such as the ice slide, where he freezes the ground underneath him, slides super fast, and his opponent knocks him down. He can create ice armor around himself, and the armor protects him from attacks and taking on damage. It also freezes an opponent or at least damages them when they, they touch the armor itself. He can hit someone with a deadly shower of ice from close, medium, or long range. He can use my personal favorite, the Ice Clone, which means he can summon a mobile clones made of ice that can block projectiles, be thrown at enemies, and will instantly freeze enemies who touch them. This is really cool. He can teleport from being right in front of his opponent to then being instantly behind his opponent, either close or far range. And he's got a number of different ways to teleport as well. He can create huge blocks of ice over his opponents and then drop them and crush them just by dropping on top of them. This is really cool. He can even somehow turn into a polar bear for short periods of time. Not sure that's going to be a big deal in this fight, but it's just a fun thing to do at parties. He can freeze a building, an entire huge building with just one touch, and then completely obliterate it with one punch. Another fun thing to do. He's got ice breath that can freeze an opponent and deliver damage. He can create ice pillars where the ice comes up underneath an opponent like a frozen geyser freezing, suspending them in air. He's got a freeze ball that takes the appearance of like frozen mist and a beam-like projectile can do damage to enemies who are even immune to being frozen. And what's really, really interesting is that, according to Frozen 2, Elsa is susceptible to being frozen. That is crazy. Now, just because Sub-Zero, he's a master ninja and is known for attacking, the thing is that's really cool about him, his power is also used a lot as a defensive kind of tool. So, he can counter attacks by freezing melee attackers who come into contact with him. He's able to create several defensive ice constructs that usually freeze an opponent on contact, such as armor I mentioned earlier. His best defensive power is his ability to create a barrier of frost, and this is where he forms a large barrier of ice in front of him that cancels or absorbs projectiles. The attack defense against special attacks, which means powerful magical-based attacks. If they make a, you know contact with a barrier, it's really, really cool. All this means that Sub-Zero can attack and defend at the same time to make this even crazier, crazier, his defenses, when touched, are also attacks. This is nutty. So this is a big difference between Sub-Zero and Elsa. See, unlike Elsa, Sub-Zero has actually fought opponents with ice powers who are also Cryomancers. And he knows how to avoid their attacks, how to hurt them, how to beat them. And according to Frozen 2, again, I mentioned before, Elsa can actually be uh, frozen herself. Now let's ask the biggest question. How cold can Sub-Zero lower the temperature? Look, I mentioned this before in a previous episode with Sub-Zero. According to Mortal Kombat, Sub-Zero can instantly freeze somebody in place. To do that, it's been calculated, he would have to theoretically lower the temperature to minus 6.5 million degrees Fahrenheit. Quick question. Has Elsa ever dealt with the threat of being instantly frozen by someone who can instantly create cold that is minus 6.5 million degrees Fahrenheit? No, she hasn't. And to take this even further, has she ever had to deal with someone with the ice powers of Sub-Zero, never mind the way he uses them in a fight, that would also be a big no. Put all that together, that's my point number one.
0: I mean, you're stretching the whole lot going on right here, of course, James. You're trying to make physics into this thing. He's using magical ice powers. He's not actually doing this in a physical sense. because I know this for a fact, because how many times has he frozen somebody in Mortal Kombat, and then they unfreeze within, what, two and a half seconds? And they're totally fine, and they keep fighting as if nothing happened at all. That means he's magically freezing them in place. It's something that resembles cold, but obviously you can't freeze to negative six million and then three seconds later come out fighting like no big deal. That's just not how anything works. That's how I know what you're saying is nonsense. And not just that. Elsa, she froze herself. She froze Anna. You know, you're saying, oh, she's susceptible to cold magic. Yes, when she does it to herself that's a thing that she allows to happen. So it's not really the same thing, where at the same time, if two Sub-Zeros are fighting against each other in Mortal Kombat, they can freeze each other, no problem whatsoever, and that particular Sub-Zero with the power over ice is also frozen for two and a half seconds, and there's really no defense against it other than just, I don't know, blocking, I guess, but that still lowers your health, so what are we even talking about? And the other question I would ask, you say he's one of many, many powerful Cryomancers, but he's the most powerful. Why is that, Jay? Oh, it's because the rest of his clan was killed. It's because all the other Ice Magic people of his clan aren't around anymore. So he's basically the most powerful by default because maybe they're not that tough. You know, I'm going to push back a little bit, but I'm not going to do that to you.
2: I'm going to let Brian do that. Brian, you've heard one point from both Ray and myself. Where's your head at with this battle so far?
1: I mean, it's it's close. They uh, Both... Both combatants do what I like to call the 80s action hero cool stuff. Like, they have crossed off. Like, yeah, Elsa just doing a little head dodge of a fireball and then turning around with her hand and freezing the thing. The no-look freeze, very cool, very interesting. Uh, But also then it's the idea of Sub-Zero and the idea... I was not I was not aware of the sixty five million the negatives millions of degrees although For good Ray does make a good point of like doing it and then three seconds later totally being fine um allowing herself to be frozen is good but also like that doesn't instill a lot of like confidence in me that she has a lot of self-confidence in herself that's a kind of doubt a momentary doubt that gives your opponent a very big window but i think uh if nothing else what really stood out to me and as a just again just coming from the argument that i had never considered before from the the information that i was being giving the facts and also the way that those facts were being explained to me and and, and sort of shaped and sort of colored in the idea of a ninja who can Green Lantern up any weapon he wants at any time and multiple times? And then the first thing I thought of was, well, those are icicle nunchucks, and that's just about the coolest thing that you're ever going to get. The idea that he can just think it <laughs> and he has it, and then he has range weapons, he has melee weapons, and even though his defensive weapons like shields and and uh, and icicle size would also then be attack weapons, I I gotta I gotta feel like that just slid Sub Zero just over the edge. In this, in this first point, it just, it's hard to say, ah, he's a ninja that could uh, do Green Lantern stuff with ice. And I'm like, I don't, you know what? Take it, take my money. I want to see that. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like that's beneficial. I mean, the way you just summarized that,
2: uh, I wish we had talked earlier today. I, I would have just said, and point number one, uh, Green Lantern ninja <laughs> who could do anything with ice would have made my job a lot easier, but that was amazing. Okay, cool. So, so far it's only point number one but sub Zero slightly ahead. Ray, let's see what
0: you got for your point number two. Point number two for Elsa. Now, there's a few things definitely to talk about here because I believe that if they get in close and they're within two feet of each other, that Sub-Zero absolutely has the advantage with the with the conjured weapons, the ninja training, the strikes. Uh, Elsa, at the end of the day, is, is the queen of Arendelle. Uh, she's had some training, but not the same way that Sub-Zero has. But my argument is, it's he's never just gonna get that close. Elsa's gonna keep him at long range where she has has every advantage over him. Now, he has his ice fireball thing that he likes to throw, but it is generally slow. It's no faster, it's definitely not faster than Scorpion throwing a chain with a spike on it. It's truthfully one of the slower attacks in Mortal Kombat. Meanwhile, Elsa's reaction speed is excellent. One time somebody shot a crossbow bolt at her, which I would argue is as fast as Scorpion throwing the chain, faster than the snow uh, ball that uh, Sub-Zero would throw. And she, as a reaction shot, threw up an ice shield and was able to block the crossbow bolt before it could hit her. And that was just a pure reactionary thing that she did. Her basic freeze spell is gosh darned impressive she has the ability to basically just sort of flick her hand just slightly and shoot out a tundra of ice and snow at her opponents when she was in the water fighting against that tidal wave there was one very large tidal wave that she saw coming down and as a reaction she sort of threw like a half a hadouken with her hands forward and shot up about 10 to 12 stories worth of ice in a fraction of a second and was like oof I was able to walk up that and defeat the tidal wave a second even bigger Bigger tidal wave came down and got her and that's what ended up hitting her, but her reaction speeds and the ability of power that she's able to just react with at whatever's coming at her is absolutely incredible. There was the one scene before the uh, the chandelier fell on her and there were some guys with spears and they were coming in and trying to get in all close and essentially she just threw up about, you remember when the Terminator turned his arm into that big long uh, po- pokey stick? She made like nine of those out of ice and trapped him against a wall with the last one coming within an inch of his nose. Like she's like, do you Really want to do this today? Do you know who I am? This is a bad idea. As a kid, Elsa shot the most mild cantrip of Ice spell at Anna while she was jumping in the air, hit her in the head with it, knocked her unconscious just with a tiny little ice blast to the head. If she hits Sub-Zero with one of these at medium power, he's going to have a very hard time coming back from it. And you mentioned before turning people into ice. Yes, she turned her sister Anna into ice. As a soldier was about to come down with a sword to hit Elsa herself, Anna stood in front of it, turned to magic ice, and was so uh, thick, the sword shattered upon impact of the ice. It shattered upon impact of the ice. So if Elsa did want to turn herself uh, frozen, as it were, Sub-Zero couldn't do any damage to her. When Sub-Zero hits you with ice, it's supposed to make you easier to hit. When she does it to her friends, it makes them harder to hit. And I assume she could do that to herself just as easily. Heck, her power is massive. Sub-Zero is a more limited space, kind of a power with his freezing abilities. But let's not forget, Elsa walked on Arendelle Harbor and froze the entire harbor just by walking on the water. At one point, she was stuck inside that tornado ball that I mentioned earlier. She got it down to the earth. She started shooting out uh, ice powers in both directions, and she overpowered the spirit of the wind and literally just destroyed it. It was just gone off the battlefield entirely from her focusing her power into it. She once froze the entire city of Arendelle, and then at the end of the movie, made the choice to unfreeze the entire city of Arendelle, because not only can she make things freeze, she can do the opposite. And one thing I learned about Sub-Zero is, he does not like the heat, he does not like the defrost settings on the microwave, so if she has the ability to unfreeze Arendelle at a whim, what's stopping her from overpowering Sub-Zero with unfreezing of that nature as well? And you talked about, last thing, you talked about how she was sort of, oh, I don't know, I'm, I'm ambivalent towards things, I don't believe in myself. That was true in the first movie for the first half by the end of the second movie she abdicates the throne to Anna and she becomes the protector of the forest ascends to a higher level and she becomes a magical spirit with the most confidence a character could have in all of fiction so, I'm just not buying the argument that she doesn't, doesn't have it inside her to take it down. She absolutely does. And that's my point number two.
2: You know, I will agree that she has confidence in herself. And that's one of the great things. Look, I love Elsa as a character. In, in, in Frozen 1 and Frozen 1 Frozen and Frozen 2 are absolute masterpieces. And I absolutely feel like a monster for what I'm doing right now to this incredible character. But with that being said, there's a few little flaws in all this. Look, Elsa has unfortunately allowed herself to get close to opponents where they were actually able to physically touch her. If these guards or any other people can actually physically put hands on her, what do you think a master ninja from Mortal Kombat is going to be able to do? Uh, on top of that, Elsa doesn't want to kill people. Again, this is what makes her such a great character. You said it yourself, Ray, when she pinned all of those people with those long spikes and kind of kept them and said, you don't want to mess with me, which, of course, they did not. I kind of thought, well, what would Sub-Zero do in that? He's like, well, these are people I don't want coming back. I'm taking them all out right now. He's going to go in. He has no problem killing and removing people. He's not going to hold back. I do think Elsa, because of her character, because of how righteous she is, would hold back tremendously in this fight. And that's going to be to her detriment. Look... I can't take anything away about how powerful she is. I can't take away that she's absolutely amazing. I will push back on her ability to fight, but I've already mentioned that. So let me get to my point number two. Let's talk about the actual fighting ability of Sub-Zero and Sub-Zero's superhuman physicals. I'm going to put all this together. Look... In terms of fighting ability, Sub-Zero is one of the best fighters of his clan and is one of the most feared fighters in all of Mortal Kombat. That's a fact. He's a master of Shotokan Karate and Dragon Kung Fu, some Ninjitsu styles. You know, he's been training since a child. He's also been training in the deadly style known as silent murder. Remember, ninjas are amazing assassins as well as amazing fighters, knowing how to... Fool someone, you know, divert their... T- whatever they needs to do to get the job done and kill someone. He's great at this. That's what he's been doing for decades and years and years and years. Listen, Sub-Zero is also one of the greatest assassins I mentioned before in the Mortal Kombat universe. Yeah, I said it. Universe. Because, again, of everything I just said, this is... I, I can't emphasize how much of an important factor is going to be in the fight. So ninjas back in the day they're known for deception for being able to disappear and reappear almost supernaturally they can lay in wait and attack from angles that are unheard of and Elsa is dealing with the greatest ninja in all the Mortal Kombat universe now of course he uses cryomantic abilities to make his fighting style even deadlier you know this is again remember this is someone who can form swords daggers shields and hammers out of ice Green Lantern style well here's a newsflash he's a master at using them all it's not just like Green Lantern is like hey I'm going to create a sword and swing it no 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 this is someone who creates a sword and knows how to Use it like a badass, like a master, or a swords person. This is crazy. And, you know, here's a cool fact about Sub Zero by channeling his chi, Sub Zero can use it to enhance the power of his physicals. He can physically strike things way harder than normal. He's strong enough to send other combatants flying with each strike he lands on them. This also means he has super strength, super speed, super stamina, enhanced reflexes and agility, and superhuman durability on top of all of the stuff he got, the goodness he got from his ninjutsu and martial arts training. Another point. Important thing to point out is that Sub Zero has unbelievable strength, as demonstrated by his world-famous fatalities and brutalities. Look, this happens when else? If it were to happen, Elsa would already have to be taken out of the fight. So I'm leaning on that. But these brutalities, these fatalities, terrified and shocked the United States Congress horrifically back in the '90s. In case you didn't know. These things involved Sub-Zero ripping people's heads off, ripping spines out of the bodies. That is superhuman strength you need to be able to do that. When's the last time Elsa did something that shocked Congress, Ray? Right? Oh, that's right. She hasn't because she's awesome and she's a Disney character. But another really good example of, this, of his strength is that he can front kick someone's chest so hard that their entire upper body gets separated from the legs and goes flying through the air. And if that's not enough, he's so superhuman that he can dodge missiles fired at him from close range. He can get stabbed and be impaled by two swords at once and keep fighting. Speaking of being burnt, he survived Scorpion's hellfire. That is very hot. I don't think Elsa just churning off the cold will be resulting in anything close to what Scorpion can do with his hellfire. He can break titanium with one chop, which means he can hit with a force of 60 63,000 pounds of pressure per square inch. That is crazy. Sub-Zero is a killer with many, many years of combat training experience. He's fought the toughest of the tough and some of the greatest warriors in the universe. I mean the universe— and he's also a superhuman, who happens to be the ultimate weapons master. Elsa's an amazing character, but Sub Zero is just something she's never dealt with. That's what will make the difference in this fight. That's my point number two.
0: Interesting. And so you got a lot to push back up, of course, on this as well. You know, you call him the greatest assassin in the history of the... But he couldn't win a single Mortal Kombat tournament, could he? Liu Kang won Mortal Kombat tournaments. Shao Kahn won Mortal Kombat tournaments. I think Raiden won a Mortal... Kombat. Sub-Zero did not win a single one of these tournaments. So he's a great participant in these battles, but not a great champion. I've seen him lose, lose to Riot Commander uh, Curtis Stryker, who's a guy with a taser. And I've seen Sub-Zero lose to this man in Mortal Kombat. So let's slow down a little bit there. And not just that. One of the ways that Elsa defeats people, and she does it all the time in her movies, yes, you're saying they're Disney movies, she wins through battlefield removal, which is a very legitimate way to win a who-would-win battle as well. Now, you would argue Sub-Zero is gonna try to get in close, use his weapons, pull out the spine, everything. The big thing that Elsa does, and she does it very, very quickly, is at one point, you know, I'll get into this a little bit further, but she ejects people from battle and removes them miles away off into the bottom of a mountain. And I guarantee you, Sub-Zero's not coming back Back within two minutes when she puts an ice slide underneath him and he ends up three cities away that's interesting good stuff i'll also have
2: more on that in my point number three and this is cool we're at the turning point We're after hearing two points from ray and myself brian tells us who is ahead and what the other side has to do to win but before we get to what brian has to say let's celebrate the Who'd win patron of the week every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who'd win shows patreon community and put them in a battle ray which patron do we have today Today,
0: we are going to be celebrate, uh, once again, Tennyson Cole. Tennyson Cole is one of our newer members to the Patreon. He's very active on there, and we appreciate seeing every one of his comments. So we're going to reward him with the Showdown September finale
2: Patreon battle. You know, let's give uh, Tennyson Cole an opponent that may not seem superhuman, but we've had him on the show. He absolutely is. Let's have him go up against Homer Simpson.
0: Homer Simpson, now that's very, very rough. Now, one thing you got to keep in mind about Homer Simpson, of course, lives in Springfield, state unknown. He carries a huge durability, and he carries a lot of tune force with him, and that's where Tennyson Cole is going to get it done because Homer Simpson relies on taking a whole bunch of damage and then his opponent, tiring himself out... And, and just not being able to get the job done. But Tennyson Cole knows this about Homer Simpson. Tennyson Cole has seen Homer Simpson fight Peter Griffin on the Who Would Win show before. Tennyson Cole knows that he needs to put forth as little effort as possible in hopes that Homer will get distracted by a donut and battlefield remove himself. So Tennyson Cole has been studying the martial arts of one Orange Cassidy the slacker wrestler from AEW and Tennyson Cole is going to just walk up and just lightly tap with a kick Homer Simpson on the leg. And Homer Simpson's not going to know what to do. And he's just going to keep doing that. And he's just going to kind of lean into him just slightly and give him the slight kick. And after about 9,000 of those kicks, Homer Simpson's going to remember that he's hungry and he's going to leave the battlefield for dinner. I mean, this all tracks. That's exactly the perfect way to fight Homer Simpson.
2: Uh, Glad you didn't think of that in our battle of Peter Griffin versus Homer. Ah, uh, congratulations, Tennyson Cole! Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com/who would win show and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Brian, you've had a moment to ponder two points from both Ray and myself. Who do you think is ahead, and what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory?
1: That's a very good question. I I feel like I feel like in this moment, first of all, Ray, you never want to use the example of someone abdicating their throne as a positive. For them uh quitting <laughs> and 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 also, in fairness to Ray, though, on the other side of that, James is that uh, Elsa would never concern her or whether or not she has been uh upsetting Congress because she 's a monarch and then she mm-hmm. does not care Parliament. Uh, and her uh, uh have their own functions together uh but she is still the ruling queen until apparently she just uh quits i will say that for <laughs> a long time i was uh, i was still going you know gosh i feel like i'm still leaning on the sub zero thing obviously a lot of it is hand to hand combat it is close quarters it is prison style and on the one hand i was like well yes you know he is a ninja he can sneak up on people and uh all that but uh, if we're going strictly by the canon of, of the video game, uh, I usually played as Raiden Ray, but I have won the game Mortal Kombat playing exclusively as Sub-Zero. So technically he has won those tournaments. Um, I guess I would... James,
0: James then <clears throat> should have said, Brian, I'm using Brian O'Connell playing Sub-Zero as my
1: character, but sadly he did not. He started at the beginning saying that he was going to use the canon of the video game and the video game is the video game. You play... To win the game, hello. Uh, thank you, thank you. So, yeah. So I would Thanks say, so I would say, uh, yeah. Also out of a job. I would say <laughs> at this point, the thing that puts me over the edge, and 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 Ray sort of tipped on this a little bit when you talk about battlefield removal, but it also goes back to the first point: is that the one thing because Sub Zero can teleport, the one thing he cannot do correct is teleport and fly the way that Elsa can because she can control the wind, similar to Storm from the X-Men in that sense, and has proven it in canon in the first movie. He cannot teleport himself and to be behind her when she is deep in the ocean and she is riding a water horse spirit. That is hard for him to be able... I don't think there's anything in the video game canon that would lead me to believe that Sub-Zero could do that. And similar to a weird Sun Tzu, Art of War sort of way, Sub-Zero is only about attack move forward move forward where elsa you know you don't having maybe not so much the idea of i want you to pause uh you don't you know who i am and what i'm capable of doing she can remove herself from the battlefield where her defensive technique of well oops all berries now i'm underwater now i can regroup now you can come to me so on the one hand i'd be like well And everything in the video game, every fight that I've ever known from Sub-Zero, he is always elected to stand across from his opponent, allow them the opportunity to walk straight forward and have first punch. I think he would give the same thing to Elsa. I think he would show up in her castle be like, I'm Sub-Zero, you know why I'm here, let's fight, let's get down. But if Elsa in this moment has the ability to transport herself immediately, to underneath the ocean or into the uh, into the sky, that is something that she can then have a grander view of the battlefield, a grander bird's eye point of view of strategy and technique to I feel like if unless uh, Sub-Zero was going to step out of his normal like, hey, I'm here, you're here, let's fight Mortal Kombat stance, uh, you know, this time, I, I feel like it's a straight one one now. Uh, 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 it's, a, it's a it's an honest to goodness tie because I had not considered up to that point the idea that well he can teleport and anything I can do you can do better oh wait she can teleport into the sky she can teleport into the ocean and hold her breath for a ridiculously long time which I do not think Sub-Zero could do he is still as we know he is still mostly man at this point so I'm not always a fan of overpowered characters and Elsa is right on that edge but I haven't heard anything yet To That would lead me to say, okay, well now you're just justifying that she can do anything. This is not a Superman four territory yet. You know, he's not, he's not (laughs) every movie where he just gets a new power that Superman never had canonically. I don't think we're there yet, but I would, I would caution Ray that you're getting very close to uh, her being sort of just omnipotent. And I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like that's a good argument. To just say, well, she's God, so she could do it. <laughs> you bring up a great point, Brian. I'm
0: only gonna talk about specific examples, Brian. Specific examples from the from the properties, and you must do with that what you will. But if she's done it, I'm not gonna say she didn't do it.
2: Brian, you know, the interesting thing is you're right, she would remove herself from the field of battle, especially if she was getting overwhelmed. That's something I'll touch on as well. But she remember, you got two minutes. If you remove yourself from the field of battle, you got two minutes to get back or else you disqualify the other person one because there was no threat. But that's an interesting point. Okay, Ray, we're even at this point. Let's see what we got. Give us your point number three.
0: Point number three for Elsa. Let's talk about the amazingly over-the-top snow powers that she has. Sorry, Brian, but here's where we're going to go with it. At one point, she lifted as to what you alluded to. She lifted Olaf off the ground using icy wind, which means that she has the ability to not just fly, but cause other characters to fly as well. What is stopping her, A, from lifting Sub-Zero off the ground with an icy wind and dropping him from a very, very great height, or she herself flying up into the air far beyond the reach. We've seen Sub-Zero teleport behind people, but not teleport behind people when they're 50 feet up in the air where he can't get to them. We've not seen him do that. So he's not gonna be able to close the gap with somebody who's able to fly in the air. Also, she's shown a propensity for ice walls. She loves ice walls and ice slides. She uses them all the time, conjures them very, very quickly. She could absolutely encase walls all around where Sub-Zero is, hold him in there for two minutes. We've seen him get frozen before we could see we could see him get frozen again and again at one point she created a a a canoe made of ice and and to what james said james pretending elsa backs out from battle no elsa ejects you from the battle against her that's how she gets a huge portion of her wins quite honestly she created an ice canoe under anna she just rolled it down a mountain and then anna was just floating away there was no way for her to get back and there's no way for her to get back within two minutes for a who would win battle so i could absolutely see elsa putting sub-zero in a battlefield removal type thing with her powers. Uh, She once herself made an ice road so she could travel on it. So I remember Sub-Zero has that freeze the earth power. Elsa's not going to fall down like so many Mortal Kombat characters would. She can walk on ice without a problem. And I think that helps her a lot here. We've seen Sub-Zero struggle with such things in the past as well. The other thing is she can make constructs. She creates giant snow monsters using the power of her magic. Uh, She created, again, a giant Yeti monster that was able to pick up an entire giant tree, throw it over the skyline, was able to grab the characters that were inside of her castle, and then kind of toss them down the steps of the castle. Elsa has conjuration magic, which means that Sub-Zero's not just fighting Elsa, She's fighting everything from her wild imagination that she is bringing to life. She creates life with a thought, that's what Olaf is. She just sort of thought about it and Olaf was a real character who had her back for eternity. And think about that, she can conjure an army of snow creatures, some of them gigantic, that she's able to attack Sub-Zero with while she floats above 50, 100 feet up in the air, letting her minions do the attacking for her. And she can eject Sub-Zero when he starts to tire out from having to deal with so many monsters. Also, we've all seen the game Fortnite before, where you're able to just build an entire skyscraper from nothing. Let's not forget, she was able to create this entire magical enchanted ice castle in like 30 seconds of time. I know that uh, Jon Stewart, the Green Lantern, speaking of Green Lanterns, as we did earlier, he created an entire city uh, just that he just made out of his mind. Well, her doing almost the exact same type of thing, she could create buildings, she could put obstacles between the two of them, she could just create an ice fortress around Sub Zero that's like a maze. And then just stand outside of it while he just can't escape it. Two minutes go by and she wins. Those are the rules of the who would win battle. She has too many other abilities that are more utility that she could use to keep him away from her, get something in between the two of them, and eject him from the battle altogether. And at the end of the day, it's as she said in her very famous song, the cold never bothered her anyway. And that's my point number three.
2: A lot of nonsense here, Race to Canis, but I wouldn't be expecting anything less. Now, here's the deal. Even she did lift uh, Sub-Zero up in the air, the difference between him and Olaf is that Sub-Zero will continue to attack and then teleport maybe away, maybe behind her, what have you. He can create an ice slide down. He can get back to the ground. This is a ninja who knows what to do in any situation because he's been in crazy situations before, thanks to Mortal Kombat. She can make constructs. Sub-Zero can break constructs. That's a fun game to play. I make it, I break it. I'll make it, I break it. That's a fun thing. Uh, Let's see, Sub-Zero has fought opponents much more terrifying, much more terrifying than anything Elsa can dream up. And I'm not kidding when I say that. Taking demigods and demons and... You know, hell creatures and what have you. That's a day at the park for Sub Zero. Elsa's going to conjure up these, you know, somewhat big, really cool looking and cute looking, abominable snowmen. They're not lasting long against Sub Zero. So I'm really pushing back hard Mm. on all of this. But let me get to my point number three. I'm going to talk about Elsa's weaknesses and Sub Zero's upgrades. Again, I don't like doing this. I love Elsa as a character, but I got to do it for who would win. So here we go. Elsa's first big weakness. I mentioned this a little bit is that she just doesn't have a lot of experience fighting. She really doesn't. Sure, she's had to overcome some personal demons as well to figure out how to survive powerful magic, but she hasn't really been in many fights as far as we can tell. And to make this even crazier, she just hasn't been in many fights with absolute freaking killers like Sub-Zero. Remember, Sub-Zero has taken, beaten, and killed powerful warriors, some of the top fighters in the universe, demigods, and gods like Raiden. Brian, our seem judge, you said Sub-Zero. You witnessed Sub-Zero take out Raiden and win the tournament. This is crazy. Sure, Elsa is absolutely powerful, but how would she do against someone with the years and years and decades and decades of fighting moral combat style against a crazy level competition of fighters who are all, by the way, trying to kill him every chance they got? Look, I'm not saying Elsa wouldn't be game to fight Sub-Zero because I actually think she'd be kind of saying, like, before she knew what she was in for, she's like, yeah, I'm up for this. I'm very powerful. Let's do this. But wanting to fight versus being able to fight are really two completely different things. Let me put it this way. How would Raiden do in Mortal Kombat if he didn't have any combat training and didn't know how to fight at all? Give him the same powers, but he has no combat training whatsoever. How does he do? Not well. Yeah, he wouldn't last long. Neither would Elsa. And yes, I'm a monster. Again, I'm just a freaking monster for saying this. I'm not going to sleep tonight. I feel horrible. Sorry, my friends at Disney, but I got to do it. And the worst part of all, just like you mentioned earlier, is that Sub-Zero already has fought Cryomancers like Elsa, Cryomancers, who, by the way, can also fight really, really well. Now, let's bring in Sub-Zero's fun upgrade, something called the Dragon Medallion. Now, the Dragon Medallion, get this, Brian, I'm sure you're familiar with it, it's a powerful artifact that enhances um, the owner's powers to a greater power level. To use it, you need to start with having a lot of power on your own and great discipline, two things Sub-Zero has, and with the Dragon Medallion, all of Sub-Zero's physicals, that he were already upgraded thanks to his Chi concentration, already at superhuman levels, are now multiplied. That's crazy. But even crazier than that, all of Sub-Zero's attacks and cold-based powers are also further multiplied. I won't bore you with the details, but Sub-Zero gets a massive, for lack of a better term, Dragon Ball Z or Dragon Ball Super Super Saiyan-type upgrade with the Dragon Medallion. So here's how I see this fight going. They're going to face off. sub is going to initiate the attack. Elsa defends barely sub-zero attacks again and this time hits her elsa's hurt not bad enough to be taken out but bad enough to make her quickly understand the severity level of the threat facing her elsa doesn't hold back and unleashes weather attacks and blasts of intense cold after a few seconds she stops thinking no one could survive that when everything clears she sees a strong ice barrier an ice barrier that completely protected sub-zero sub-zero unleashes every insane ice attack he can ice slides ice blasts ice showers the, the dragon down. Everything's going crazy for her. Elsa uses her powers to protect herself and decides to end this the way she knows how. She conjures up all of her power and unleashes the equivalent of Disney Ice Hell, patent pending, on Sub-Zero, who tries to defend but is seemingly overwhelmed and frozen in place. Now feeling triumphant, Elsa walks over to Sub-Zero and quickly realizes she's actually looking at an ice statue or Ice Clone, of Sub-Zero. And that's when the Ice Sword is plunged into Elsa's back by Sub-Zero from behind, who uses superior fighting techniques out with the powerful Elsa and teleport himself behind her. As Elsa tries to understand what is happening, he freezes her instantly at minus 6 million degrees Fahrenheit, even for a few seconds, and takes her out. Once she's there, of course, he's going to hear those magical words, Finish Her! And he smashes Elsa apart. And this, by the way, is just one way Sub Zero is gonna use his superior fighting techniques and tactics to outwit, outmaneuver, and take out Elsa. That's why Elsa loses, that's why
0: Sub Zero wins. That's my point number three. So much silliness going on right there. You say Elsa hasn't been in a lot of fights. Like, I haven't mentioned, like, a dozen different fights that Elsa's been in in just her two movies. You mentioned the tidal wave. Thankfully. You don't fight a tidal wave, and the tidal wave actually beat her. James, you waste your own time, not mine. I'm on the clock right now. What I'm trying to say is that she's been in tons and tons of fights. All she does to these two movies is fight people and try to get them away from her and battlefield or move them. That's all she does through these movies. And let's you talk about the Dragon Medallion. You know, I tried to use the Sword Excalibur with Hellboy because there was a great storyline where he wields the Sword Excalibur, and you said James in that Hellboy battle, well he only had it for one short storyline and then he lost it. The Dragon Medallion is the same exact thing. He tried to raise his power to become a god. He walked around as if he was god for a very short period of time. And then the Elder God said, we didn't give you permission to do that. And they struck him down, took the medallion away, and took his power away. So he does, he only had it for a very short sliver of time. And we're supposed to be representing the characters as they would standard be. That is not who he standard is. Is And the last thing I want to talk about here, two things I want to talk about here. One is that uh, there's no way Elsa's going to underestimate the ninja Sub-Zero. Look at him. There's no way you see that standing across from you and think, I can take it easy. But I don't think the opposite is true. I think Sub-Zero would absolutely underestimate Elsa being that she's the queen of Arendelle and not too intimidating to look at giving her a chance to get the jump on him and battlefield remove him before this battle could even get going. And the last thing is Sub-Zero. Let's not forget, he is susceptible to his own powers. He's susceptible to ice powers. If he freezes you in the game and shoots a second fireball, ice fireball at you, he ends up unfreezing you and freezes himself which means to me, if he tries to shoot an ice ball at something that's been magically frozen, the very good chances he himself gets frozen for a few seconds, allowing for him to be swept up into the air and dropped from a great height or, or battlefield removed down the side of a mountain. At the end of the day, the way this battle's gonna go is they're gonna get started. She's gonna create a giant castle and a giant fortress that he has to then work his way all the way through. Can he get to her in two minutes? I don't know, but once he gets to the top of it, She just ejects him from the entire thing, shoots him down to the point where he's more than two minutes away. She's going to win this through battlefield removal.
2: Interesting points. Completely disagree, but that's all good. That's what we do at the Who and Win Show. Brian, this is your moment. It's time for you to make a decision. Take us through your process. Tell us a story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Elsa and Sub-Zero.
1: Yes. Yes. I'll say, first of all, I am friends with Carolina Ravasa, the voice of Sombra from Overwatch, so Fortnite references will get, you no know, points with me. Uh, also, Fortnite is not uh, in question here. It's not part of the Frozen canon. It's not part of the Mortal Kombat canon. I will also say, too, that I agree with Ray that, like, as soon as you brought up the uh, the dragon, I was like, oh, okay, let's not bring up the dragon. I don't think we, again, it's my sort of it's sort of my natural inclination to push back against omnipotent and and all powerful characters. But I will say this as Ray started taking off the idea of like, you know, how she could remove Sub-Zero from the battlefield and all that. uh, She, he put, she put Anne in a canoe. Well, I'll, with all respect due uh Anna is not a ninja that's a quick backflip for uh for sub zero saying that she can create these monsters there's no disney monster that can match up to any of the several and i mean several several dozens of the folklore horror monsters that roam the japanese countryside at all times sub zero is not uh not a uh, uh, beyond uh, putting away, especially if the uh, magical creature is, is a singing snowman. That guy is dead with, within seconds. Um, but I will say that uh, about two minutes before it was brought up, I had already felt like I had asked my own answer because I forgot what I was saying. The idea that Elsa would be so good at larger battle strategy from that bird's eye point of view from that larger thing. It, it, It occurred to me that, again, like Ray said, they spent all these years, from the 1930s on, trying to find a version of this story that would work where the character of Anna is not the antagonist, is not the villain. And if we're also including Frozen 2, where she becomes full circle and becomes a good person, a defender of the forest, uh, willingly gives up her throne to her sister and all that, that means she is a character that is unwilling and probably... Susceptible to the idea of strategy known as subterfuge, which a ninja has in spades. I absolutely agree that she's going to at some point decide, I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm going to hit you with everything I got and all that. And it's going to look like she has driven him to his knees. He is going to demask. He is going to look like he is hunched over and is bowing to her, which she is used to having as a queen. And then she's going to get close and there's going to be an icicle right up through the bottom of her chin into her brain. And it's over because she allowed herself and her humanity to allow herself to drop her guard, get close enough. And there's no amount of quick, whatever, because she is not in a state where she feels like she's in defense anymore. She feels she's won And that is something that a ninja would do and think to do that I don't think. And I I don't personally agree with Ray's version of she's been in a lot of fights. But for the purposes of this exercise, I'll say, you know what? Great. All things being considered equal. They are equally matched. They have have a lot of experience as fighters. The one that she doesn't know how to do is cheat. And he does. And I feel like that gives it to Sub-Zero at the end of the day.
2: Unbelievable. Thank you. And here's the deal. I feel horrible. I love Elsa. I really do. I, I, And I'm not kidding. I watched Frozen a whole bunch of times by myself without my kids, and I'm not ashamed. It was a fantastic movie. Um, Frozen 2, again, Ray, you're right, absolutely fantastic. But here's the deal. It's when you have someone who's an absolute killer, who specializes in killing in ways where you don't expect to be killed by someone who's a killer, the killer's going to win. I agree we 100% we, with your assessment, we Brian. We have
1: brought up. By the, the way. We haven't even, we haven't even brought it up because it's not part of canon in the, uh, in the Mortal Kombat world. But ninjas are famous for being able to disguise themselves as anyone. There is a world, and there's an argument to be made on a different show. Not this show, because we are very good about the science. But on a different <laughs> show, they can make the argument that that little uh, snowman rips off his nose and sticks it in her ear because it's been it's been sub-zero the whole time. Like, that's most ninjas... <laughs> Most ninjas dress like peasants. They like, they dress like beggars, so they can blend in their surroundings and kill people. It's a modern invention of the all black uh, pajamas and ghee uh, sort of affair. Thank you. Exactly. You
2: are well read, good sir. Race to Canus. You came up short. He uh, hates it. You came up short. I need you to do me a favor. Uh, please tell our fan base, Legion of Audience, who won the entire month of Showdown September.
0: I'm not buying this argument from Brian James O'Connell at all, because until the until the moment in a video game when Sub-Zero, it says finish him and he's wobbling around waiting to be finished. But suddenly he turns around and finishes his opponent during the finish him animation against him. Then your argument makes sense. That doesn't happen. That's not a thing that he does. That's not a thing that's in character for Sub-Zero to do even a little bit, and even if it was, Elsa would not get in close to him. What are you talking about? Every single time she's dealt with somebody who's trying to kill her, and she feels that she's won, she ejects them from the battle. She shoves them two miles away. She doesn't get in close, puts her face down next to their head and says, thank you for battle. I'm dead, because that's what would happen, and she's smart enough. She's a forest spirit now she's smart enough to not fall for that that is an outrageous unacceptable answer to the questions that we have posed you today and i will give you a chance to change your mind right here because that is almost mitchell baldwin levels of embarrassment for you sir uh (sighs) not even close
2: not even close but go ahead
1: everyone she has fought she knew she doesn't know this person. She absolutely would take pity and humility. She would absolutely let her guard down. She would she would absolutely come up close and say, Who are you, stranger? Why are you doing this? You've seen this countless times from not only the fairy tales that this very character is based on, but pretty much every folklore, from Japan to Norway, to the to the indigenous people, the people who are nice get let their and, and feel victorious get too close. And the people that are scum, uh like Sub Zero, clearly is. He's not—he's not, he's not uh, over zero. He's sub-zero. He would absolutely—he <laughs> would absolutely take the L to have the overall W versus uh, the really just from the mere curiosity factor. I don't think she would then just toss him three towns away. She would just toss him away without at least getting a closer look. Especially if he's taking his mask off. It's less fantasy booking than what James had. I wasn't going for the sword in the back and all that. I would agree that 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 strategy would not work. Much so. like every single Beck album since Odelay, I'm not buying it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, the difference here, Ray, is that it's really it comes down to between being it's it's nice versus being good. Sub Zero is really good at killing people, and Elsa's just too nice. That's how it is, and that's how I say. By the way, Race to Canis, are you finally going to crown me champion
0: of Showdown September? I'm putting a huge asterisk next to this month. I'm going to tell you that right now. You got away with one uh, two weeks ago. You got away with another one with Ronald McDonald's. Our judge last week, uh, Robert Clark Chan, decided that Ronald McDonald was an uh, omnipotent uh, Dr. Manhattan type of character, despite the fact that all he does is playground party magic. And now this, this... Wait, monstrosity wait a of a decision. Who did Ronald McDonald beat? The King. That's right, Ronald McDonald. That I rep against a real the King, a real magical character, the Burger King. Out- uh, outrageous, unacceptable. Bring on October. I'm ready to get some horror monsters in this show brian here's the deal for showdown september we had
2: five great matchups you know classic matchups of geek Mm -hmm. culture ray did a great job was up to nothing and then i came back and won three in a row to win showdown september ray just doesn't want to admit that i won
1: oh no that's all good you cavaliered him you cavaliered him you You came back down from uh
2: (laughs) right just like season three ray remember i I look forward to the apology
0: dm from (laughs) brian tomorrow that's all i'm saying
2: well, that'll never happen. All right, Brian, listen, this was another fun match. You were fantastic. Oh, I, I love it when you're on the show. Thank you. Um, thank you. Not just because you've got, I think you've given me two wins in a row, but also just because the I've way you explain better. things, the way you push back, it's amazing. Tell everyone, our fan base, our Legion of Audience, where they can find you.
1: Oh, you can find me on, on all the social medias, uh, either uh, at B3OC, the letter B, the number 3 OC, uh, Instagram, uh, the real B3OC on uh, TikTok because someone got there before me, and and Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Twitter is for silly stuff. Uh, Instagram is for uh, promotion stuff, and then uh, TikTok and Vimeo and YouTube is just for uh, for my filmmaking stuff. Uh, if you want to find a lot of cute short films, that's where that's where you go and find me. Just type type in Brian James O'Connell into Google and pack a lunch. I've heard of Google? That's a great idea. All
2: right, race to Canis. I'm just going to say it one more time. You lost. Showdown September. I won. I'm the champ. This Things, things are good. You put up a great match, though, and, uh, you know, you should be proud of that. That's something, kind of, maybe not really. Tell our fan base Legion of Audience, where they can find you online.
0: They made a video game a few years ago about superheroes tangling with comic book characters, and they called it Injustice. And in this game, everybody got Magical Serum that allowed them to have superpowers and they could all fight at a Superman level and they all fought against each other because Superman went crazy, started killing people and it was an injustice for all time. Ranking second in the history of injustice is Showdown September and this match in particular. Short of Superman shooting out Shazam's skull with heat beams was the only thing missing from this debacle of a month. I should have been 5 and 0. This season I should be 40 and 0. 39 and 1. There was one, I'll give you. My point I'm trying to make is my dominance can only be stopped by these judges. And Brian James O'Connell, I declare a plague on both your houses cuz I know you own two. You can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. We're going to use the hashtag not Ray was robbed this week. We're going to use the hashtag true showdown champion because that's what I am. You all know I won this battle. You all know it was ripped away from me. My argument was flawless. My character was perfect. And James had more holes in it than an entire block of Swiss cheese. Real showdown champion is what we're going to say on Twitter when it's time to spoil the results of this show. Find me at Almighty Ray on Twitter and join me on Victory Friday, because I deserve it. You know, this is how things work out, Ray. Like, you
2: won Showdown September last year, right? I feel like I've won Showdown September every year. <laughs> Got it. I don't think you did last year either. All right, listen, it, I had to do what I had to do. Ray had me on the ropes, and then I had to dig in and just pull out the victory, because you know what? All the fans wanted it, and that's what you get. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by typing in at James Gavs. You Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Racey Kate and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins.